Welcome to Classic Comedy of Old Time Radio. I'm your host, Ron Eckelbarger. Before we get into today's show, I want to give you a heads up about that guest appearance I'm making on another podcast. For years, I've told you about Adam Graham's podcast, The Great Detectives of Old Time Radio. Well, he has another podcast called The Amazing World of Radio, and I will be a guest on that show on March 15th. Adam is playing the Lux Radio Theater version of the Life of Riley movie that came out in 1949. You can go to YouTube, look up Life of Riley movie 1949. You can watch that movie if you want to. And we've been listening to the Life of Riley on this podcast for about four years now. So I encourage you to head over to greatdetectives.net forward slash detectives forward slash category forward slash amazing radio and listen to that Life of Riley show that appears on March 15th. Or you can go to whatever podcast hosting program that you use. It's out on all of them. Apple, Google, Stitcher, you name it. So uh, I just catch that show. It's going to be good. Now, Bob Hope never seems like he's out of energy. But hey, I know I can get that way. I can easily lose focus and energy. That's why I take Magic Mind every day. Magic Mind is a two-ounce shot of brain food, and it really works. It has turmeric curcumin, which helps to boost the mood. It has ashwagandha and rhodiola rosea to help decrease stress. It has matcha green tea. In it, which has over 130 times more antioxidants than coffee or regular green tea, plus a lot of other great ingredients. I can attest to the fact that it works and it tastes good too. Just because it's green doesn't mean it tastes bad. Now, some of you folks might like green things. Typically, I don't drink green things, but hey, Magic Mind has a nice citrusy taste that I really enjoy. And if I forget to take my magic mind some morning, which isn't very often, I can tell you, I really feel the difference though. And that's why I want to share it with you because I know it works. So I'll tell you what to do. Go out to magicmind.co forward slash classic comedy. There is a great offer that I get to share with you. You can get up to 56% off your first subscription, which is subscriptions the best way to go. If you go in the next 10 days. Or if you want just a one-time purchase, you can get 20% off. Use my passcode, ClassicComedy20. Either way, use that ClassicComedy20 code. So, again, go to magicmind.co forward slash ClassicComedy. Redeem that discount code, ClassicComedy20. But don't wait. The 56% discount only lasts... 10 days from our episode airing date. Hey, this is a classic comedy podcast, but I ain't joking. Try Magic Mind today. We are now going to listen to episode number 553 of The Bob Hope Show. It originally aired on April 1st, 1953. So now here's Bob with his special guest, Ann Baxter. <laughs> Bob Hope Show. 
And now, here is Bob Hope. Too much. It sounds phony. <laughs> Say, did you read in the papers that the Hollywood stars are now putting their money into cattle ranches? Well, it's true. Gregory Peck, Jack Benny, Rosalind Russell, Gene Keller, they all bought cattle ranches, and Jack Benny has already proved he's a natural-born farmer. He has his cows given milkshakes. Of course, the cows are a little dizzy when they crawl out of the washing machine. <laughs> but I wish Jack wouldn't mix his farming with his laundry business. Yesterday, my shorts came back not only clean, but homogenized. <laughs> of course, Bing started the whole thing with his ranch in Nevada. Actually, his ranch isn't in Nevada. Nevada's on his ranch. <laughs> He's giving Reno 24 hours to get out. <laughs> Bing likes owning Nevada, though. Together with Texas, it makes such a nice set. <laughs> and you'll find Bing on his ranch every summer, just sitting around branding his money. <laughs> of course, Bing has other investments. The Pittsburgh Pirates, Gary. He has a lot of stuff there. <laughs> By the way, if any of you are wondering why I've left out the Crosby Foundation, that isn't really an investment. The way he's built, it's an absolute necessity. One day he forgot to wear one, and the price of blubber dropped 12 cents a pound. <laughs> but you probably know that many movie personalities have outside investments. Phil Harris is starting a chain of supermarkets in Beverly Hills. Robert Cummings is going to manufacture men's gabardine jackets. Georgie Jester used to manufacture men's pants until the bottom fell out. And I have a... <laughs> piece of the Cleveland Indians, but the Indians had some tough breaks last year. In fact, if we hadn't sold some pottery in those blankets, we'd have lost money, believe me. <laughs> Here's Margaret Whiting, the baby assistant by Les Brown and his gypsies doing I'm Walking Behind You.
If things go wrong, dear, and fate is unkind, look over your shoulder. I'm walking produce his own picture in Europe. And, of course, with a project this big, Bob needs help. Now we find him entering the office of the top executive producer at Paramount Studios. Oh, hello, Mr. Freeman. Well, Bob Hope, come right in. So nice to see you. Sit down here. Have a cigar. Well, oh, can I get you a drink? Relax. Put your feet up on my desk. Make yourself at home. Boy, did that road to Valley make money. (laughs) Yes, and your new picture is a very big hit, too. Look at these box office reports. Chicago, $42,000 in three days. Cincinnati, 38000 New York, 54000 <laughs> Oh, you're the fair-haired boy around here, Robert. I'm the only one with there. Say, Mr. <laughs> Thank you very much for all Wait. those kind words. Now, tell me, is there anything we can do for you? Well, as a matter of fact, there is, Mr. Freeman. I'm going to make a picture in Europe, and I'd like to borrow some money from you. I want you to lend me a million and a half dollars. A million and a half, eh? Hmm? Well, I see you're still smiling. Oh, sure. A million and a half sounds like big money to some people, but not too much. Now, I don't have the authority to lend you that kind of money, Bob, but since you've driven over here, I'll tell you what I can do. What's that? I'll be glad to validate your parking ticket. Gee, thanks. Say, what's the matter, Mr. Freeman? Don't you like the idea of me making an independent picture? Well, Bob, you've made a lot of pictures lately. Why go off to Europe to make another one? Or to take it easy. You deserve a rest. But I don't want to take it easy. Well, then think of your fans. Well, what about them? They deserve a rest, too. (laughs) I don't understand, Bob. What is it that drives you? What's the spark, the force that keeps you working, working, working. The Bureau of Internal Revenue. (laughs) You see, Mr. Freeman, I've got to make a picture in Europe. You don't have anything scheduled for me here. Well, not right now, Bob. Uh, We're converting the studio to the three-dimension technique. Oh, I can't wait to see myself. This new process will do wonders for you, Bob. That nose of yours will have a whole dimension to itself. (laughs) Thank you. Give up this idea. uh, Making a picture in Europe can be very expensive. 
No, not the way I'm doing this picture. This is going to be a musical picture, and instead of taking the chorus girls from here, I'm going to stop in Paris and pick out 10 or 12 beautiful French girls. But there you are, Bob. That'll take you a week or two. It'll take me a month. A month? Why? I'm a slow picker. <laughs> Well, Bob, I'm sorry we can't finance your picture, but uh, good luck anyway. Oh, thanks, Mr. Freeman. See you later. Uh, goodbye, Bob. Hey, where have you been, Bob? Hiya, Bill. Yeah, we've been waiting for you. Oh, I stopped in at Paramount, Maggie. There's not much doing over there, but guess where I'm going to make my next picture? Where? In Europe. Why don't you make your picture here? To tell you the truth, Maggie, sometimes I feel that Paramount has never caught the real me. What's to catch? He is. I'm fairly intelligent, rather witty. I have a fine sense of drama. I'm clever, talented, personable, and you're genuine, all around good egg. Bob, how long have you been going steady with you? Well, maybe I did exaggerate a little, but you know, I must have something in the ball or I wouldn't have won that Oscar. Oh, no, not again. Put your shoes on, Maggie. This is where we came in. <laughs> enthusiastic about doing a picture in Europe. I'm going right ahead with it. Well, have you cast it yet, Bob? Who's going to play opposition? Well, that's the big question, Bill. I've made pictures with Jane Russell, Virginia Mayo, Dorothy L'Amour, Marilyn Maxwell. Who can I get this time? Who would look right playing opposite me in a big love scene? Gabby Hayes? <laughs> you know, his beard tickles. No, I don't think... Somebody who would make a wonderful leading lady for this picture. She's very talented. Who's that, Bob? Ann Baxter. Oh, she's a wonderful actress. Have you talked to Ann Baxter about it yet? No, but I think I'd better before someone else signs her for a picture. Bill, hand me that phone. If she's home, I can go right over there and see her. Gee, Ann, you certainly have a lovely home. Oh, thanks, Bob. I'm glad you like there. it. I've never seen so many beautiful painting and so many books. This is certainly a fine edition of the Encyclopedia Britannica. Oh, I'm proud of my paintings. I have a Watteau, a Renoir, a Monet, a Corot, and a Picasso. You're uh, familiar with Picasso, of course. Oh, I don't know very much about him, except that Picasso is looked upon as the founder of Cubism in 1907, later returned a more realistic formula, which he continued until 1930, at which time he resumed painting in the neoclassical style. Why, Bob! But you thought I was reading it. I really am surprised. I suppose you're also very familiar with Watteau. Not so fast. Give me time to turn the page. <laughs> I'll, uh, I'll show you some of these paintings, Bob, if you're Say, interested. Say, this next painting is a real dilly, Anne. Yes, well, that, that's a good example of contemporary surrealism with a strong futuristic theme. Oh, man, what a picture. A banjo wearing a red toupee. <laughs> wrapped in a purple electric blanket standing on top of the Empire State Building. <laughs> Do you like it? Yes, I didn't know Jerry Lewis had time to paint. You know, Bob, I was quite surprised to get your phone call. Are you really making a movie in Europe? That's right, Anne. I was hoping I could interest you in doing it with me. I thought you made all your pictures for Paramount, Bob. Don't they have you tied up? Only during the love scenes. <laughs> what do you say, Anne? Do you think you could go abroad for a couple of months? Well, I'd have to know more about it before I make up my mind, Bob. Who's going to produce the picture? I am. And write it? Me. How about the director? I'll direct the picture, and of course I'll star in it. Oh, I can hardly wait till opening night. Why? I want to see you selling the popcorn in the lobby. <laughs> What's the 
picture about, Bob? Oh, you'll love it. In the first big musical scene, 20 beautiful French chorus girls dance across the stage doing the can-can. In the next musical number, there's going to be 30 beautiful chorus girls. Well, what's the story, Bob? Oh, I won't know till I talk to the girls. <laughs> oh, oh, no. Wonderful in a straight dramatic story. You do, huh? Yes, it's, it's about time you made a picture with realistic human values. Why not do a story of, of love, hate, greed, jealousy, passion, cruelty, lust, and murder? Sounds like fun. <laughs> but stories like that aren't easy to find. Of course they are. Good stories are everywhere. Take, take the artists who painted these pictures here on these walls. They all had interesting dramatic lives. Say, maybe you've got something. Moulin Rouge was a big hit. Why couldn't I make a successful picture about an artist? Oh, it'd be exciting, Bob. Sure, it would have authenticity, power, drama. Wonderful. Real action, color, excitement. Great. And, of course, it would have me as the star. Well, no picture is perfect. <laughs> and here is Maggie Whiting with the assistance of the band of renown, Les Brown, doing Till I Waltz again with you. Come in, Maggie. Till I waltz again with you Let no other hold your charms If my dreams should all come true You'll be waiting for my arms Till I kiss you once again Keep my love locked in your heart Darling, I'll return them to part, though it may break your heart and mine, the minute when it's time to go, remember, dear, each word divine, that man I love you so, till I waltz again with you. Uh, how did you make out with Ann Baxter? Is she going to do the picture with you in Europe? Yeah, the deal is almost all set, and it's going to be a very different picture. I'm going to do the life of a famous artist. Oh, sounds good, Bob. Yeah, I can just see myself as an artist. Even someone as great as Vincent Van Gogh. Painting, studying, turning out great masterpieces. <laughs> The end of the 19th century. One of the struggling young painters of this era was Vincent Van Hope, who as a child had started out with finger painting. Yes, I was so enthusiastic about finger painting, I couldn't stop. I went on and painted my toes and arms and legs. <laughs> the young artist Vincent Van Hope led a drab, uneventful existence until one day a beautiful woman came to his studio. How do you do? Oh, she was lovely. She had Titian hair, a Rubens head, a Rembrandt body, and the whole thing was hydromatic. <laughs> she looked at me and said, 
Vincent Van Hope? That's right. You... you are a painter? That's what it says on the front of my beret. <laughs> what is your pleasure, mademoiselle? Well, uh, I'm an American. I've just bought a large home here in Paris, and I'd like to buy some painting. Indeed. How does this happen you came to me? Well, I, I heard that most of the painters in Paris are eccentric fools and idiots, and someone gave me your name and address. Merci. What type of painting do you do? Oh, I am a modern. I use only the colors strawberry, raspberry, cherry, orange, lemon, and lime. I'm thinking of uh, commissioning someone to paint me. Do you uh, also do portrait work? We. I would love to paint someone as beautiful as you. I have painted the Duchess of Shropshire, the Earl of Exbrook, Lord and Lady Carruthers, the Duke of Northumberland, and Mel Tremay. What else do you have to show me? Oh, I have many other paintings, but what do you think of those you've seen so far? Shall I be frank? Of course. I think your work establishes a new high of tawdry, flamboyant, garish mediocrity. Gee, and I thought I wasted all those years going to art school. <laughs> This landscape here, did you paint it? Oh, yes. What do you think? I must admit you've done quite well. Your, your colors here, this is a, a, a very brilliant green grass. Thank you, merci. Uh, <laughs> to get the grass so green, did you use a brush and oil? No, just Vigoro and a spray gun. <laughs> quite a joke, get it? It made the grass go. It made the corn grow, too. <laughs> well, Mademoiselle, is there something here you would like for your home? I haven't decided yet. Uh, do you have anything more to show me? Well, if you're looking for a bargain, I have a painting here that's damaged. A leak in the roof made the watercolors run. I painted Marie Antoinette standing beside her favorite hunting pony, and then we had a big storm. What happened? It came out Lady Godiva riding a cocker spaniel. <laughs> I have seen enough. Au revoir, monsieur. Vincent, I must talk to you. Go away, Andre. You must listen to me, Vincent. I am your best friend. You must paint again. It is three months now. I can't help it. I'm in love with the American girl. Whenever I look, I see her face. Oh, Vincent. In the fireplace, she looks at me from the flames. In the shadows, she is there. Today at lunch, I had some Swiss cheese, and her face was in every hole. <laughs> my friend, you must not go to pieces. You've got to paint that picture right away. Why should I? I haven't taken a picture of yours to the dealers in so long, they've forgotten what your work is like. It's a great time to sell them one. <laughs> it's no use, Andre. I am too unlucky to sell a painting. All my luck is bad. Oh, don't think that way. Look at Gainsborough. He became instantly famous with one picture, the blue boy. That's what I mean, Andre. I painted that same boy, but I painted him the day before he turned blue. <laughs> oh, if only I were a rich, successful artist, I could go to the beautiful American girl and ask her to marry me. You can be famous, my friend. How? You could be a great success like Rubens, Boucher, Goya, if you painted women. That's what the public wants. Romance. Well, what's wrong with the things I'm painting now? Your subjects are too dull. Look at this painting here. P. 
pickled herring peeking through an onion ring. What's romantic about that? It is to another pickled herring. But why discuss it? Go away, Andre. Leave me alone. Oh, Vincent, are you so in love with this American girl? Oh, if I could only see her, talk to her. Why don't you go to her house? I tried that. The butler won't let me in the front door. And at the back door, there's a cook and six maids. Won't they let you in? Yeah, but after I'm inside, I can never remember what I went there for. (laughs) Oh, Vincent, my poor friend, there is one thing you can do. Work hard. Become famous. Make her sorry that she has broken your heart. Oh, I took Andre's advice. I painted day and night, night and day, day and night until my hands trembled and my eyes were two burning coals. Every time I blinked, I started a brush fire in my eyebrows. (laughs) But I succeeded beyond my fondest dreams. I bought the most magnificent home in Paris. It was on the left bank of the Seine and the right bank of the Seine. That saved me putting in a bathtub. (laughs) During all these years, I never saw the American girl. Then one day, I went to Maxime's for lunch. Bonjour, Monsieur Van Hope. Bonjour, Francois. My usual table, please. Oui, Monsieur. Follow me. Very well. Just a moment, Francois. I see someone I know at this table. Ah, so we meet again, Mademoiselle, the beautiful American. Why, it's Vincent Van Hope. Oui, but I am no longer the struggling artist. Now I am one of the most famous men in the world, but I still feel the same way about you. Will you marry me? Me? Marry you? Fool, pest, idiot, moron, imbecile. You don't have to answer now. Think it over. (laughs) Oh, it's useless to talk this way. I'm engaged to another man and I... Oh, this is he coming across the room toward us now. Where? Vincent, what are you doing here? So I've been double-crossed by my best friend. Oh, Vincent, please. She is so beautiful, I could not help myself. It is too late to apologize. This means a duel. Oh, no, no, not a duel. It is a matter of honor. We meet at sunrise with swords. Vincent, I warn you, I am an expert swordsman. And we'll use pistols. (laughs) We meet at sunrise in the Bois du Boulogne. I don't know where it is, but I'll find it. You are met here to settle a question of honor. You know the rule. I'm getting pretty sick of this line. (laughs) We. Now, you each have a pistol. You will stand back to back. Then take ten paces, turn, and fire. Are you ready, Monsieur André? We. Oui. Vive la France! And you, Monsieur Hope, are you ready? We. Oui. Vive la Blue Cross plan. <laughs> All right, gentlemen. Turn and fire! <laughs> Monsieur Van Hope, I congratulate you. You have won the duel. Oh, you are magnificent. He shot so many bullets at you. Aren't you hurt? Not even a scratch. But how can that be? Is there something in your pocket to stop the bullet? Sure there is. 
What is it? You don't think I'd leave my Oscar at home, do you? This is the United States Armed Forces Radio and Television Service. Baxter was born in 1923. She was the granddaughter of the famous architect Frank Lloyd Wright. Her first movie role was in the 1940 film Twenty Mule Team, starring Wallace Beery, a Western. She was only 17. She hit the big time, though, in 1946, when she co-starred with Tyrone Power and Gene Tierney in The Razor's Edge, for which she won both the Academy Award, and the Golden Globe Award for Best Supporting Actress. She received another Best Actress nomination in 1950 for her role as Eve Harrington in All About Eve. Then in 1954, she was in The Ten Commandments with Charlton Heston. She played the Egyptian princess and queen Nefertiri throughout her career, which lasted almost 50 years. She was in dozens and dozens of plays, films, TV, and radio appearances. Ann Baxter died of a stroke in 1985. She was 62. You heard Bob Hope talk about his Oscar on today's show. At the 1952 Academy Awards, Bob was awarded an honorary Oscar, and he received the statuette for, quote, his contribution to the laughter of the world, his service to the motion picture industry, and his devotion to the American premise, unquote. Now, he had made jokes for years about wanting an Academy Award, especially after Crosby won his for Going My Way. Well, he finally got one, and he, he made the most out of it. Well, please send your questions and comments to host at ClassicComedyOTR.com and go to MagicMind.co forward slash Classic Comedy and use that discount code ClassicComedy20 to get some Magic Mind today. Until we meet again, in the words of Diane von Furstenberg, character, intelligence, strength, Style, that makes beauty.